And uh, just as I get into the word, you can turn quickly to John chapter 5, verse 39 and 40. This is uh, obviously Jesus talking to the Pharisees. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Turn quickly with me to Luke 24, Luke 24, verse uh, 27, but I'll just give you the quick background there. It's uh, after the resurrection of Jesus, there's a couple of people on their way to Emmaus, it's a little village, it's about, I think about seven miles uh, from Jerusalem, and um, they are, uh, they're journeying along there, and Jesus comes and joins them, and, uh, and they, their eyes are, are, are shut to his identity. And they're just talking about things, and, and he's going, what are you talking about? And they go, don't you know what's happened? And, and, uh, and let's just pick up maybe from verse, uh, and they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth a, Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel, yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed them. They were at the tomb early in the morning, did not find his body. They came back, and they had said they had seen a vision and uh, that he was alive. And some of, of them that were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see him. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter, him, enter into his glory? Verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. What I want to talk a little bit this morning about is Jesus. Not the letter, but the man. Just as we read there, it's an amazing thing to see that um, obviously what they're talking about uh, when they said that you've, you search the Scriptures, because in there you think it's eternal life. The Scriptures, obviously the New Testament hadn't been written, so we're talking about the Old Testament. So they were searching in the Old Testament, trying to find eternal life, but eternal life was standing in front of them. He says, but I'm standing right here. And then Jesus begins to to uh, go from Moses and the prophets and expound all the way through Scripture to explain to them the Scripture was talking about Him. So I want to encourage us this morning that Christianity is about Jesus and about a person. It's not about words. And it's so easy for us to get lost in the words when actually it's the reality of a relationship with a person. When you come and you sit here this morning, what I want to encourage you with, if you're struggling or you're finding it difficult to worship, I want to challenge you whether you've got lost in the words and have missed the person. Because we worship whom we know. We might know scriptures, friends, but do we know him? The journey of a spiritual person is about encountering and knowing a living God. The Word of God is living and active. 
He's actually talking about a person, not just a bunch of letters on a page. Amen. And just in the theme of what they felt in the, in the prayer meeting before, and uh, it's uh, the Revelations chapter 3, verse 8, which uh, uh, um, Krista got. And if what's your name? Krista. <laughs> which Krista got? <laughs> Revelations chapter 3, verse 8. It's a Philadelphian church, I think. Uh, and to the angel church in Philadelphia, write the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens, and no one who shuts, who shuts, shuts, and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I've set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have little power, yet you have kept my word, have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and they are not. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will blah, blah, blah. I know that your works, behold, I have set before you an open door, and no one is able to shut. Okay, so just in light of that, let's just quickly turn to John chapter 10. We're just doing a quick little dance through the Bible, and if you... you haven't got your Bibles, then it's a good thing to, to always bring your Bible so you can read along so you can understand what I'm saying. John chapter 10, let's just read from verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Friends, for you to be born again this morning, you had to come through a door. And the door is Jesus Christ. And friends, when you came through that door, it opened the realms of God and of Christ to you. And God is saying this morning that that door is now the place in which you enter and come through. Salvation in the church is about an open door. It's about a person and his name is Jesus. And it's about encountering Christ and journeying with Christ and him opening up the realms to us that we can come in and out and we can find pasture. See, before Christ, it was up and down. Doors opening, doors shut, doors all over the place. Which doors? These doors. But after Christ, friends, there's one door. And the door is Jesus Christ. And we enter through that door and we come in and out through that door. And we dare not become a church, friends. Where as soon as we become a church that wants to concentrate on the promises, concentrate on the words, concentrate on the letter, and miss out on the door, friends, we go back being an up and down people. But when we've got an open door, friends, we can come in and out and we will find pasture. Now, be... Work with me and I'll, 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 I'll work with you. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, Paul's talking about how I count everything as lost, friends. Everything. He said, I consider and account everything as lost for one particular reason and one particular reason only, and that was that I might know Christ. The whole point of Christianity, friends, is counting everything lost, that we might know Christ, not know scriptures, friends. Know Christ. Know the person. Know the personality, know the, have a relationship with a living God. And that word is living and active because I have a living relationship, a God who speaks.
Maybe this is a tough one, but let, let me just, just smack it while I'm smacking it. Uh, in, in Matthew 10, let's just read quickly Matthew chapter 10. Read another quick scripture. Uh, let's just go to verse uh, 34. Do not think that I've come to bring peace on the earth, that I've come to bring... Oh, no, let's skip that one. Um, with I've come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What is that scripture all about, friends? What that scripture all about is we dare not put anything in the place of Jesus. That I love my father. My father and mother are here. I want to honor them for hosting. I want to honor Murray for hosting the, 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 the um, uh, Botswana guys. Honestly, wonderful. I love my father and mother, but I dare not love them more than Jesus. There's an understanding here. There's a love here, friends, about Jesus. And it's about Jesus, not all the other stuff that goes on with Jesus. It's about him. Just flick over a couple of pages to uh, Matthew chapter 14. I'm going to pull this all together, but I'm trying to emphasize a point before I make a big blast. Let's just read. Um, say from verse 22, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch, understand the different watches there, it starts from 9, uh, 6 p.m., goes through to 6 a.m. the next morning. First watch, 6 6. Uh, p.m. to 9 p.m., second watch, 9 p.m. to 12 p.m., third watch, 12 p.m. to 3 a.m. in the morning, fourth watch, between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. So they've been going quite a long way. Um, in other translations, uh, they've been going about three miles. It's about a four or five-mile journey across the, the lake. So they've been about two-thirds of the way across and obviously taking a lot of strain because they've been going since the previous evening, right? And, uh, and the Bible says that the wind was against him, so the wind was blowing, and then... Um, it says that Jesus came walking on the sea, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, I love this, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took him took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you have little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind seized. Those in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. It's a beautiful picture once again, and uh, let's not get caught up in the doctrine of what it takes to walk on water. Because the whole point of that story is nothing about walking on water. The whole point of that story is the wind was blowing, and the, Jesus came walking uh, on, the, on the sea, and the, the disciples thought it was a ghost. Who was that? And they said, no, it's me, Jesus, be calm. And Peter said, if it's you, then tell me to come. And Jesus said, come. And Peter got out the boat and walked towards Jesus. And then it says, and then he saw the wind. So when he got out the boat at the word of the Lord, when he was obedient to the word of the Lord, and he was looking and his focus was on Jesus, and everything was about Jesus, friends, he was walking on water. 
The story's not about walking on water. The story's about looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The story is about looking to him and doing what God's called you to do. And then, friends, when you begin to take your eyes off Jesus, when it's no longer about Jesus, and as soon as you take your eyes off Jesus, the surroundings and the things that are happening in our lives start to speak a lot louder. They start to become very important. Friends, when those become important and our eyes get distracted and put on those things, friends, you begin to sink. There's an amazing story about two people that God shaped and created out of the dust of the earth, friends, and placed them, friends, and when he placed them in the most beautiful place that he had set up for them, everything that he had done was for their success and to bless them, and it was triumphant, friends, and everything that they did succeeded, and they only had one thing, and that was up. There was no up and down, friends, no valleys, friends. It was just beautiful. It was wonderful. They were walking with God. And then they chose, friends, to go their own way and chose to go to another tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the minute they did that, Adam and Eve's life and journey became an up and down journey. The minute we take our eyes off the tree of life, the minute the tree of life is not central to everything that we say and do, friends, then our life becomes an up and down journey. That's when we begin to sink, friends. That's when the wind becomes a factor. Friends, the wind is not a factor of walking on water. How many know that? You can speak to any great scientist, go find out, you go find the greatest minds in the whole world and they'll tell you this morning that wind has got nothing to do with you walking on water. Because the point, friends, is not about walking on water. The point, friends, is about looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, friends. Because Jesus said, come. Friends, when we step out, whatever God's calling us and telling us to do, the point is looking to Jesus. That keeps you walking on the water. That keeps you afloat. That keeps you moving towards your destiny, what God's called. That keeps you obedient and doing what he's called you to do, friends. The minute we take our eyes off him, and it's so easy as Christians, when we come and we sit and we gather together for many churches, friends, many people that sit in church life, friends, then their focus is not Jesus. They don't even know Jesus. They don't know the person of Jesus. They don't know who he is, friends. Their life is supposed to be an overflow from the well of the person of Jesus Christ. Friends, I could give you so many examples this morning just to help us understand this simple thing. Luke chapter five, verse five, you can go under, that uh, Jesus goes, there's a whole big crowd, whatever, he says to the fisherman, let me climb into your boat. He stands in the boat, he speaks to the big crowd. When they finish the crowd, he turns to the fisherman, he says to the fisherman, launch out, you're going to drop your nets, and the fishermen go, hey, Lord, Peter and his friends, they go, hey, Lord, we've, we've worked all night. We've been toiling all night. We've caught nothing. Friends, you may be sitting here, and you might be a professional. You might be the best at what you do. You might be the greatest engineer, greatest architect, greatest uh, chartered accountant, greatest teacher, greatest whatever. But I want to tell you now, professionals looked in Jesus' face. Professionals, friends, professionals have done everything they've tried to do and caught nothing. It's not about what you know. It's not about how you and what you do and all the, getting it all together, friends. It's about Jesus. Nevertheless, at your word, they go out there and they throw their nets and friends and they have to call partners. See, that's a picture of the kingdom of God. That's a picture of the church and the end times rising up. 
and saying, right, we don't want to do this with all our fancy ideas. We don't want to be consumed with the world's thinking and how it operates and what it does. And let's get more lights and let's get more action. Let's, let's entertain and please more people. And let's do this, that, and the other, friends. Because the people that actually caught the most fish and the biggest fish, friends, were not those people. They were the people that uh, were obedient to Jesus. They listened to his voice. The key factor in all of that is Jesus. I wanna say if you're sitting on the edge of a decision right now, the factors, friends, about you trying to find all this out and all that, friends, are irrelevant if you don't have the voice of Jesus. He's the one, friends, that will take you. He's the one that will open the doors. He's the one that will cause you to go up and up and up. He's the door that you can come in and out. Friends, he wasn't a door that you were, when you got saved 20 years ago, you went in and that's it now. He's the door. He's the opening. He's the way for you to come in and out. Everything we do is about Jesus, friends. Our whole lives, our whole journey, you go, well, how does that? Everything of my life, friends, is about him. I encounter him. I talk to him. He tells me. We go in and out. We find pasture in everything that we do. Another illustration, John chapter six, you can read the story about the five loaves and two fishes. How many know religious minds always want to concentrate that they caught a big catch? That was big fish. Now this one, it's important because they multiplied food and there was enough food to fill pick and pay hypermarket. Friends, you've missed the story. You've missed the story. You know what the story's about? It's about Jesus. It's about a little cheap bunch of five loaves and two fishes being put into the hands of Jesus. It's a beautiful story that God actually cares about your and my well-being physically as well as spiritually. It's again, it's, the story's about Jesus. When you give something to Jesus, you let Jesus bless it. You let Je put it into his hands, friends. He can do miracles, wonders, beautiful, amazing things. Matthew chapter six, let's flick back again. Matthew chapter six. This is talking about uh, practicing your righteousness before people and getting your reward from men instead of from God. It's just giving us a, let me read it. From, let's read from verse one. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, so then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Wow. So I'll read that again. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward. Little reward, some reward, no reward. Just in case you didn't. In the Greek, what it means is zilcho, nada, nothing, none, no. Right? Just in case you didn't know that. Thus, this is a tough crowd of people. Smile. Every muscle in your whole body is working when you're smiling. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. 
And when you pray, it must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who, who sees in secret will reward you. Verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, that they think that they will be heard for the many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you, you need before you ask Him. Let me stop there. Your Father knows what you have need of before you ask them. He says, do not heap up empty phrases, fancy phrases. Friends, it's not about knowing the Bible. Heap up for yourself empty phrases. I'm gonna stand there and I'm gonna impress you with my big prayer because that's what's gonna heal you. That's what's gonna impact your life. That's what's gonna change your life. That's what's gonna cause the miracle. Don't heap up for yourself empty phrases, it says, for your Father knows what you have need of. Woo! Hold on a minute. My understanding and way we understand in terms of the world is that we actually ask and we ask for things so people can know what we have need of. Prayer, friends, the asking has nothing to do with knowing what you have need of. completely contrary to the way that the world thinks, friends. The bottom line is in the world, you ask so that people know. In the Bible, friends, you are asking not because the Father knows, it doesn't know. The Father knows what you have need of. Why are you asking then, friends? You're asking, friends, because it's revealing your heart. Because straight away, Jesus goes into and says, this is how you ought to pray. Our Father, family, Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. This is not about me. This is about you. Glory, honor, and praise be unto your name. Your kingdom come, and your will be done. Whoops. We need to ask, friends, but what we're asking, friends, is understanding it's not about us. It's about Him. This is how you ought to pray. Jesus kicks off straight away into that. Friends, that's not some fancy little prayer that we say in church service. That's not some religious prayer, friends. It's trying to tell you something. It's trying to say, in the end of the day, the end result is the Father knows what you have need of. You're not revealing to the Father what you have need of. You're not praying now so that you can enlighten Him and tell Him what He needs to do. You're praying because it's a, re- a revealing of your heart to you. Not to the Father, of an understanding that my trust and my faith is totally in you, God, and nothing else. You say, how do you understand that? James chapter, I think it's chapter three or chapter four, I'll find it. James chapter three or chapter four says this. I think it's chapter four, is it? I don't know, James chapter, let me look. Oh, can I read? Oh, just, I love reading scripture. Let's just read the words. God's beautiful. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Is God against asking? He's telling us that we do not have because we do not ask. Friends, He's not upset with asking, He wants us to ask. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your 
passions. He wants us to ask, friends. If we don't ask, we don't get. He wants the people of God to come and to ask, friends. But he knows what we have need of. The asking is not to tell him what we have need of. The asking is for us to reveal the motivation of our heart and what we're about. It reveals to us I'm about myself or I'm about him, friends. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Just keep whipping through pages. You'll get there. 1 John chapter 5, 14 and 15. Simply says this, and this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that have been asked of him. This is the confidence that we have, friends. We ask anything according to his will. He wants us to ask, friends. He doesn't want to ask with our own personal uh, 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 desires and passions. He wants to ask according to his will. This is about him. This is how we pray. Hallowed be thy name. You live in heaven. You are Lord. You are king of everything. Not my desire, but your desire. My, fix, my eyes are fixed and my focus is on the author and the finish of my faith. It's Jesus, not my own. Come on. This is called Christians. This is a group of people that Jesus calls the church. Drop this out. Friends, if you want a miracle this morning, the miracle does not lie in how much word you know. The miracle does not lie in what we do and the methods and how we do this and how we do that. If you want a miracle this morning, the miracle is here because Jesus is here. Friends, if you want peace this morning in your life, you go and quote all the scriptures you want. The reason why you will have peace in your heart today is because Jesus is here. He is peace. See, we forget this, friends. We get distracted. Because the enemy would love us to get distracted. Why? Because he distracted us right from the word go. Away from the tree of life to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He wants us to get distracted into the word, learning scriptures, learning what the promises of God, how to do this, quoting, or we have a look, we say, that guy's working, what is he? Methods and how to do all of this. And we lose and forget that it's about Jesus. It's about a relationship with Him, about a life with Him. So when we read the Bible, we read scriptures, and responses like Psalm 37 verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord. Psalm 32 verse 11, be glad in the Lord. Philippians 3 verse 1, rejoice in the Lord. These are the heart responses, friends, that must come before everything else, and everything else hinges on those heart responses. When I come here this morning and I'm standing there and I'm worshiping, I am rejoicing in the Lord, in who He is. I'm not rejoicing because He heals, because He can answer prayer, because He can change my situation, because He can turn things around, because He is the one who will give me the job or the finances. I, I worship Him, Him alone for who He is. In other words, admiration, adoration, desiring God, treasuring God would not be authentic unless there was a delight, a gladness, and a rejoicing in God. That's where the church has gone wrong. 
There's not a delight and a rejoicing and a gladness in God, friends, but there is an adoration and a, and a, and a, and a desiring God and, 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 and because we've gone after what He gives us rather than Him. In Psalm 40, verse 16, please write this down if you're taking notes. David says this, may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, great is the Lord. We wanna seek him, but may all those who seek you May they rejoice and be glad in you. May all those who love your salvation, I love your salvation, Lord, may they declare, great is the Lord. So to love God is to rejoice in Him. It's what makes loving authentic and real. Otherwise, friends, the focus becomes about what you're getting from him, not actually him. I often hear this, but of course I love him. I go to church, I give tithes, I help the poor, I pray for the sick, pray for people. Of course I love God. Well, husband and wives, how would you like this? Husband says to the wife, of course I love you. I stay in the same bed as you. I live in the same house. I cook for you sometimes. I feed the dogs. I buy you outfits. I'll tell you right now, I'm getting fivefold ministry from my wife after that. Of course I love you, darling. I bring home the check. And you Do we delight in God, in Him alone? Let me make this statement. God wants us as a people, He called us as a people to become one with Him and to embrace Him. To have a relationship with him. It's all about relationship. Union and communion with Jesus, where his heart and my heart are one. And the fullness of what I'm receiving through that communion and union of oneness with him, the fullness is the overflow of what you are getting from me. All people are getting from me is Jesus in me. They are not getting my ministry. They are not getting my knowledge. They're not getting my charismatic character. They're not getting my gifts. They're not getting my charm. They're not getting my wits. They are drinking from an overflow of a relationship that I have with Jesus Christ. That's a Christian. 
Unfortunately, in the life of the church, often we are so busy with all this stuff, friends, that they are drinking from our ministry, from our charismatic character and nature, from our humor, from our wits, from our ability, from our knowledge. But all of that, friends, is a form of godliness, but it's devoid of power. True power comes from a relationship and overflow of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to have to land. What I want to encourage us as a church today is what we're going after, friends. Yesterday we had a leadership training time. And as we had our leadership training time, one of the big things and key things that we try to emphasize is that we are building a family, sons and daughters. We're not building a, a company. And leadership in a company looks very different to leadership in a family. And how many know that in, in business you can be a great leader and you can do ama amazing great things, but the whole premise of, a biz of business is so different to the premise of the family, right? Premise of business and whatever is that you, I'm not going to get advancement in the, in the business, friends, unless you're going to bless me. There's nobody who puts a hand up and says, no, listen, I'll take on more work. I'll become the regional manager. No problem. No, you don't have to give me an increase. Relax. No problem. In fact, I'll take a decrease. You can drop my salary. I just, I just love more work. Friends, we get promoted and we get increases and we get uh, climbing up this ladder, friends, because we get benefits from it. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, friends, Jesus has done it all. He is our benefit. So when you come to the kingdom of God, the more authority you're given, the higher up you go in the kingdom of God with authority and sphere of influence and uh, function, friends, Jesus said, who's the more important? The guy that's sitting at the table, the guy's coming, drink, bringing him stuff, or the guy that's actually bringing the drinks? Of course, it's the guy sitting at the table. I didn't come to be that guy sitting at the table. I came to serve. You want to be like Christ? You want to have your whole focus being Christ in the life of the church? It's not about accolades. It's not about benefits, friends. It's about serving. It's about loving people, being part of a family. Come on. This is actually the Bible. My encouragement to us today is not to get sidetracked, friends, with all the stuff. A lot of stuff happening. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Let's build relationship with Him. I want to encourage you today. I want to challenge you today as I challenged the leaders yesterday. Friends, how much time are you spending with Him? Not just in the Bible learning some verses, friends, but with Him, friends. He is our everything. He is the miracle. He is the peace. He is the joy. No matter how many times I quote, friends, He is my security. I feel safe, friends, not because I know Psalm 121. Or I look to the hills from whence my help come. My help comes from the, the maker of heaven and earth. No, it's not that I know that, friends. It's that I know him. And when I'm standing there, I know he's by me, friends. And I know he's the one that conquered sin and death. And death cannot separate me from his love. And if he doesn't want to protect me and I go to be with him, that's no problem. Right? Because he's my security. I'm not finding my security in the Bible. 
Because the word's living and it's active, friends. It's not a letter, a letter that kills, but it's the spirit that gives life, friends. So as a living relationship with Jesus Christ that lives inside of me and we're one and we're communing with each other, my communing, friends, flows over and out of my life, friends. And I don't want you to catch the scriptures or what scriptures I know or how I deliver it. I want you to capture the well. Because it's the well that'll change our lives. It's the well that changes who we are, friends. And then that brings a smile on your face, friends. When we come to church, it shouldn't be up and down. It doesn't mean we don't go through tough times where we take strain, friends. A lot of stuff going on out there, friends. But I was sharing with the leaders, and I share with all of us, we're all supposed to be leaders because we know Jesus. So we're different to the world in that we know Jesus and that He's our door. The world's looking and saying, which door should I go through? Door number one, number two, number three, number four, or number five? Well, door number one is maybe it's six. Or maybe door number two is gender. Or maybe door number three is money. Or maybe door number four is Jesus, but I've seen the church. Friends, we don't want the world to see a doctrine. We want the world to see Jesus. We want to see a life that's got an open door, walking through with Jesus. And even though I get get thrown tough things, even though things happen in my life, He comes because He is my peace. And the world wants to rob me of peace, friends. And I don't have to spend 14 hours fasting and praying and quoting 17 scriptures to get my peace back. He's there with me. I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. For thy rod and thy staff. Friends, I didn't borrow his rod and staff. He's standing right here. And his rod and his staff are comforting me because when he's with me, I'm in authority. And when he's with me, friends, beware. And I encourage myself in the Lord. And I arise, wash my face, and carry on. That's the kingdom. That's the power of God. Friends, so make everything all perfect. In this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, because I have given you many promises and scriptures that if you quote and if you study them long enough, he's with us, friends. Emmanuel is with us. It's my relationship with him and knowing him. It causes my life to be free. It causes my life to be settled. Amen? Shall we stand? Is it just quiet this morning because everyone's had a tough Saturday? Or is it quiet because I preached a bit tough? Or, or hopefully it's quiet because of Jesus. Yes. Do you know that I was praying this week and I said, Lord, I would really like a nice fluffy message. And he said, I've got a nice one for you. (laughs) Friends, I believe this is a nice fluffy message.
I believe it's just sometimes God comes just to just give us a little nudge, a little hint, just to encourage us and to say, whatever we're journeying, the difficulties, life comes, there's lots of stuff happening. All you have to do is just, just take a moment out and realize there's a lot of stuff going on in the realm of the spirit. There's a lot of stuff going on in the natural frame. Whatever's happening in the natural is also happening in the spiritual realm. Enemies try to rob, steal people. There is such an influence over the world today on individualism. Uh, uh, and I, I don't say that just lightly, but there is. There's a whole whacking thing on gender and, uh, and all kinds of things. I don't want to go into them. But in the midst of all of that, friends, it's so good. And God just comes and nudges us and just goes, just remember that I restored and reconciled you back into a relationship and fellowship that you're in a family and that you have a father. And then you're not alone. You're not sitting there and trying to memorize scripture and remember this and remember that. Now, I love the word, friends, and I love memorizing the word. But I put it in its rightful place. I love knowing the living word. Friends, because he didn't just say certain things. He is saying things. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds proceeds out of the mouth of God. He has spoken and he is speaking. Amen. So I want to encourage us today as a church, whatever you're going through, all your challenges, just to remember that it's a relationship with him. Take time out. Please make this, it is such a vital season that we, we're walking in. Please make it a, a, a very purposeful that you spend time with Jesus. And sometimes I know that can be a little irritating. It's like, because it's like, oh Lord, I can't, I don't know then yes, we use the Bible to help us a little bit because that is His spoken word. So I just meditate on that. But I, I wait and I give Him time so that He can speak to me, that I can, I can sense and feel when He comes and just wants to love, minister. And it's, it's that intimacy, friends, that gets you through the challenges. And if you're trying to make a decision, I want you to know this. You can go and you can study up and you can ask 17 people and all of that's really good. But if Jesus is not speaking, don't get out of the boat. First thing Peter said, if it's you, tell me to come. I've got to hear Jesus come. And then when I step out, man, I keep my eyes on him. I'm looking at him. Nothing else. Because the wind was already there. Peter knew it was there because they were buffeted trying to get there. And it's been hours and hours trying to get the boat across the lake, and then Jesus said, come, and he stepped out, and then as soon as he said, he saw the wind, so he must have. So Father, I want to pray for us as a church today. This is not a laying on of hands uh, kind of uh, preach. This is a challenging one that comes, quickens our heart. It's a lovely, cuddly preach, Lord. Because there may be people sitting here today and maybe somewhere along the line you got hurt by church, which is by people. Maybe you got somewhere along the line you got hurt by words. Maybe somewhere along the line you got hurt by actions. Maybe somewhere along the line you got misunderstood. But I want you to know one thing. That all of Christianity and us gathering together is not about words and actions it's about a person, and his name is Jesus. And today I want to tell you he loves you dearly. 
And all of those are distractions to keep you away from a relationship with Him. And I want you to know today that the Bible says He's the head. We're the body. And unfortunately, you can't have a relationship with Him without the body. And when Jesus invites you into a relationship with Him, He knows that you're going to have to be a part of His body. And I want to tell you today that He never pretended that His body would be perfect. Jesus is perfect, friends, but His body was never perfect. That's why He set us up in all of His letters in the Bible to tell us, bear with one another, forgive one another. You're going to get offended. Deal with the offense. Help one another. But in all of that, friends, don't let that distract you away from that it's a relationship with the head, Jesus, that unites this body together. I know that's for somebody here. But for if you're sitting here as well, and you're having to make big decisions in your heart and life, whether you're dealing with challenges in your marriage, or in your family, or circumstances, or finances, please, I beg of you. Don't get distracted with quoting scripture, methods, running to the tree of knowledge, trying to find out things, reading books. Run to Him. Run to Jesus. He is the name above every single other name. He is the door through which you will receive life. He has the answers. He is your wisdom. He is your joy. Delight yourself in Him and He will give you the desires of your heart. Will you help us this morning, Lord, I pray. As a people, Lord, as we embark on the most amazing journey together, as your presence comes, as Raphael, the angel of healing, begins to move over this place, not just a quick stir in the pool of Siloam, but as he begins to move, and the pool is constantly moving and being stirred. And it's not about the angels. It's not about a promise. It's about a person. It's about you, Jesus, falling in love with you again. I pray today, Lord God, that every single one of us would fall in love with you again in our life. We be saturated with such a love and a desire to spend time with you and be with you and love you. Father, this earth becomes just strangely 
active. We just want you, Lord, everything that we say and do. I ask this in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. Will you do by your Holy Spirit what I cannot do, Lord, in every one of our hearts, that as we go forward into this week, Lord God, we're a family. We are the hands and feet of our Savior and King Jesus. We are His testimony and His joy in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you need any prayer.